Our scripture today um, is on peace, actually, and it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, which can be found on page 1,151 of your pew Bibles. This is Paul talking to his younger protege, Timothy, about praying for peace. Listen for the word of God to you. I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling you the truth. I am not lying. And a true and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, our dear Prince of Peace, we know your heart is that we would have external peace so that the eternal peace of the gospel would be proclaimed to all nations. Help us make peace today in every area of our lives and help our world have peace. Lord, any words that I say that are not of your will, I ask that they fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever I say that is of your will, I ask that embed in hearts and bear good fruit unto the kingdom of God. Lord, let us not hinder your word, but feed your sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love a dish called chicken briani. Now you may be saying briwati. Well, chicken briani is a curry dish served in the Indian subcontinent, specifically in the country of Pakistan. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Will, I didn't know you were Pakistani. I, I'm not. I just, if you haven't caught on to that yet, not too many redheaded Pakistanis out there. I am not Pakistani. Well, you may be wondering then how I developed a taste for this dish, which is traditionally served in Pakistan. And that began with the story of a man named Charles Foreman, who was born in 1864. And I quote, Charles Foreman was an American and the son of slave-holding Kentucky planters. Even as a young man, Foreman was appalled by slavery, and he attempted to open a school to educate the slaves and other plantations. The owners of the plantations made sure no one went to his school. After Foreman graduated from Princeton Seminary, in the 1850s, he was commissioned as a missionary to British India. Seeing the poor state of education he offered to the Indian people there, he started a school there. As it had been in Kentucky, he was originally shunned by the English administrators of the Raj because he dared to give the Indians the same quality and breadth of education the English gave their own children. He was, he was in equal trouble with Indian patriots who only wanted education in Sanskrit, which Foreman knew would condemn the students 
to irrelevance in a newly scientific world. Over the decades, forming Christian College became known as the Harvard of the subcontinent. Before the partition of India and Pakistan, the brightest students from all of South Asia came to Foreman for a thorough ethical education. While the rest of the subcontinent was always in a state of barely contained ethnic and interreligious ferment, Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, Jans, Bahis, and Christians from all over learned to live together and to follow the school's motto, by love, serve one another. In 1973, the government of Zufkari al-Bahito took over the administration of the college in a socialist-inspired nationalism. For years, the Christian minority of the country, which was about 1.5 to 2% of the population, had seen Foreman as the Pakistani church's crown jewel. If only Christians could ever, not many Christians could attend the college, for out of those Christians, only about 10% of the Christian population could even read. When Bujito nationalized the college, Christians were heartbroken, knowing that they were not powerful enough to demand the college be given back to them. For 30 years, the church in Pakistan prayed that the college would be restored to the church and become welcoming to Christians once again. This seemed like a pipe dream. The government went about Islamicizing the college and its name was changed to Government FC College, with its sign being the Islamic Crescent. The dormitories, all of which had been named for missionary professors, were renamed for the Sunni caliphs. The very notion that the government of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan would return control of a college to the United States, much less a Christian church like the Presbyterian Church, was laughable. Still, the church in Pakistan prayed the poorest people who had never seen the college and would never go themselves pray that the college would be returned to the church. In 2003, after 10 years of negotiation and insistence, the government of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, led by President Perez Musharraf, a Foreman alumni, returned control of Foreman Christian College to the Presbyterian Church. With its return, the government welcomed Christian missionaries to teach in the school. Missionaries reported that they were often surprised to be welcomed into churches and religious gatherings with applause. When one missionary asked about why they always received such enthusiastic welcome, a man asked, answered, Oh, Professor Sahib, we do not clap just for you. We clap because you remind us that God heard our prayers. And even though everyone said it was impossible, he gave back foreman to the church. In 2006, the Reverend Dr. Robert Johnson, who wrote this narrative I just read you, took his entire family, uprooted them, him, his wife, Marianne Vermeer, and their two sons, Nathan and Peter, and they moved to Lahore, Pakistan, to become missionaries in Foreman Christian College. Robert took, taught church history in an Islamic Republic for three years. He returned to Richmond in 2009, where he told his story at a seminary chapel in which I attended. Being very impressed by it, I thought, oh, maybe he'd be willing to give me a job. Robert gave me my first job outside of seminary. My love for Briani, my love for the world, 
And of course, my love for NPR. If any of you have disliked or appreciated that stories, you can blame Robert for that. First of all, then I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. Pakistan is not exactly known as a peaceful country by any means, nor a country where Christians have anything like power. Yet because the church taught rather than complained, because the church loved rather than feared, because the church prayed rather than despaired, the church in Pakistan was given back her jewel, Foreman Christian College. And I believe in that story and in our scripture today, there is good news. When we offer peace prayers, the gospel will bring eternal peace to the nations. The good news is you can help bring peace, the scriptures say, with your prayers. What types of prayers are we are, are to pray? Well, we have three points today. The types of prayers we are to pray, who we are to pray for, and the results of those prayers. <coughs> You're going to have to excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. First, the types of prayers we are to pray. We are to pray several different types of prayers, as Scripture says. The first is supplication. This means praying with desperation. Imagine if tomorrow you didn't know where food would come for your family or if you were about to be kicked out of your house. This is the type of desperation this word is talking about. When you have no other option, you cry out to God. And what this scripture is saying is we're supposed to do that for people we don't even know. The next word is intercession. While we are desperate, we are not orphans. Because of Christ, we have been given an inheritance. We have the been declared sons and daughters of God. Well, God hears all prayers. The scripture tells us he hears the prayers of Christians in a special way. We are able to approach his throne for mercy and grace, not just for ourselves, but for the nation. So while we are desperate, we are not beggars. We don't have to beg. Finally, we are to pray this word means to bow down before God and worship him. Because God owes us nothing. Why does bargaining with God not work? Because God already owns everything. You can't bargain with God. As the Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of man is to glorify God. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. The heart of prayer, the most honest and contrite prayer ever prayed was perhaps prayed by Job after his family was killed and all his possessions were destroyed. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is the heart of prayer. And that is the prayer, the heart we are to pray for the nations. Well, who are we to pray for? We are to pray for all people especially those in high authority. As the book of Philippians says, we are citizens of heaven, and God desires that all people be saved. We pray for external peace so that the gospel can bring eternal peace. We pray for external peace so the gospel can bring eternal peace.
because it's hard to preach the gospel when laws like blasphemy laws will get you locked up for it. That being said, we also have to pray that we don't define an entire nation based off the neg most negative elements of the society. As scripture says, honor whom all, give honor to whom honor is due. Our heart should be the heart of forming Christian college, a heart of hospitality to those who don't believe that they may also live their lives in peace and quiet. When we have power, that's how we should treat others because that's how we would like to be treated. We are to pray for kings and high officials of every nation. God doesn't necessarily have a type of government in mind in every nation, nor does he have a utopia in mind. He just wants us to be able to live our lives and our faith in peace and quiet. Well, to end this story, uh, I, would want to, I wanted to lead, read another story about the church in Pakistan, which comes from the Episcopal Church, from Dr. Carolyn Carson, who's the postulant of the Diocese of Louisiana for the Episcopal Church, telling about the church's attempt to build peace in that nation. And I quote, One must keep living. Such simple yet powerful words are uttered by many Christians I meet in Pakistan the day after the Easter bombing in Gulshah Iblab Park in Lahore. The absence of freedom of speech, the realities of inequality, and the constant fear of violating Pakistan's blasphemy laws for everyday tensions. Many Christians have been killed, buildings set on fire from mob attacks because of these laws are regularly, regularly misused. 20-foot walls, assault weapon security on every corner, barbed wire everywhere. These are regular sites for schools and libraries and stores and hotels. Then suicide bombers are expected to bring despair that does not cease. Every Muslim and Christian alike must look over their shoulders and live in constant fear of Taliban attacks in, in other places. Another aspect of this terror is the profound sadness that attacks and become so commonplace. After a couple of days in the news, things tend to be forgotten. Everyone I met asked us to pray for them and for the energy of peace. While the Diocese of Peshawar is one of the most hostile anywhere on the borders between Pakistan and Afghanistan and encompasses a region where there is any, not any civil law, anyone who comes to them is welcomed as a child of God. The diocese of Rwanda in Lahore mimics this in time where terror attacks are rising. The diocese of Rwanda provides education and health care in outlying parts of Lahore. Rehabilitation programs to thousands and pastoral care to thousands. The diocese of Rwanda also continues to be extremely active in peace building and reaching out to fellow religious leaders in the city and the region. They hold regular gatherings to try and determine what can concretely be done to stave off terror and to help victims of bombings. They live life and faith above ground, as Bishop Manu Ram Ramulshi puts it. Moderator Bishop Samuel Aziri is an amazing leader with a terrific and dedicated staff. 
the feeling from all of them when asked about putting their lives on the line for the diocese was that they would rather die doing something good than to be sitting in the corner frozen in fear. It is of utmost importance to realize that religious leaders and practitioners of Islam are not inherently violent. All Muslims are not against Christians. They consider us to be brothers and sisters. There has been an underlying current that each religion is trying to convert the other. And the Taliban knows that if they attack Christians, the Western media will make a huge event out of it and gain what they want, which is fear and anxiety. The article ends with a prayer for peace for Pakistan, which could be a prayer for many nations. And it says this, for the magnificent and hospitable yet besieged country of Pakistan, we pray to you, Heavenly Father, for the city steeped in the shadows of terror, for its peaceful people living in stress and fear, ever seeking stability and freedom. We ask for tranquility. Out of the depths of religion and civic turmoil, we cry to you for reconciliation and tolerance. For the victims and families of the bombs, we seek your healing and comfort. For those deceived from childhood and led into a life filled with false glory, that paradise came through self-destruction, we pray for new eyes to discover the truth and a safe way out of their current lifestyles. For those with terrorist connections, we pray they may act honestly and rightly, grant an end to violence, return to hope, enable those who put loving first to be strengthened and to be confident enough to continue to live their faith out loud, without fear, to continue to reach out to the suffering, for negative images of Pakistan, held by others, be lifted and changed, we pray. We ask these things in the name of God, who is large enough to love all of us, and gave his Son, that we might live in him. May we, the church in America as well, rather die doing something good than be stuck in fear. May our lives be salt, preserving all that is good in this world and light, showing that there is something more than this world, the glory of Jesus Christ. In the ancient world, words of Francis of Assisi, Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born unto eternal life. And those, my friends, our peace prayers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith by saying the words of the Apostles' Creed.